Greetings, everyone. Welcome to D Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just test voice. Let's welcome our guest. Author of the award-winning book, The Plan A Diet, combining whole food plant-based nutrition with the timeless wisdom of scripture. Sid Nodder hosts a monthly inflammation support group for the plant-based nutrition support group, pvnsg.org. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Sid Nodder. Greetings and welcome back, Sid. Hi, Amy. It's so nice to be here with you. Uh, I'm so happy you're here. I have links for a previous broadcast that you did with us in case anyone's interested. That'll be in the show notes in the comments. But, you know, there are so many people and some of whom may be watching or listening to my podcast right now that have had or maybe are experiencing challenges staying on track with the whole food plant-based lifestyle. and Maybe they're not having challenges, but they remember when they did, or they know somebody that is. And, but they might, the people that are having the challenges may have friends or family members who are not on board, or perhaps they're dealing with food addiction or detox or other challenges. And I'm so glad that you're here today, Sid, to give us tips to staying motivated while on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Thanks, Amy. Sadly, I see a lot of people that eat this way. Somehow they slide backwards a little bit. Some of them even go back to their old ways of eating. And um, I just know there's a lot of challenges out there for people. And staying mentally motivated, I think, is one of the key factors to success with this diet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and that's what a lot of people tell me. I just wish that I could just stay motivated and I think that sometimes they're just looking looking for motivation in all the wrong places, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that, that, that the answers are there, but they just don't know where to find them. And so I'm so glad that you're going to be giving us some tips about that today. Yeah. Now, Even we, when we have the best intentions, it can be easy to, to backslide if oh, we yeah. pay attention. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about that yesterday and we were also talking about if anybody's familiar with the the pleasure trap which is a book written by D doug lyle and alan goldhammer and and sometimes you know nature is just working against us <laughs> and we and we feel badly about ourselves when we maybe make a slip and we blame ourselves and we shame ourselves and sometimes there's a lot of things that are working against us that we, we really shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed or feel guilty about these things. And then I think that you're going to empower us today. So I'm really grateful that you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I always say the biggest battle lies directly between our ears. I like that. I like that a lot. And I also want to let everybody know, we're going to talk about it a little, little bit later, but you also do have a wonderful book called The Plan A Diet. And this is packed with lots of information that some of the things that you might be talking about today, but even more in depth about helping people stay on plan, as well as giving some other great tools to be whole food plant-based. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that a lot. So, 
did you want to start off with our true or false game? Sure, but I, I'd like to pull up my slides first, if okay. you don't mind. Since, All right. Um, well, I, I'm, I didn't see them yet, so that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and what while we're um, doing this, I would like to invite the Green Warriors to type in the comments if you have been dealing with or know somebody that's been dealing with or maybe in the past, if you're not a newbie, things that that things that you have been coming up against and challenges in order to stay motivated on the plant-based lifestyle. So let me just, while everybody's doing that, I'm going to be, can you put yours on full screen, Sid? Sure. Presentation? That's better. Okay. So we're going to pull that up now. Okay. So let's get Let's get this started, and then Sid's going to cue me in when we're ready for our first true or false question. All right. Well, now that that's up, because I was kind of, you know, nervous that I wasn't going to be able to put that up. So <laughs> we had a little technical up. difficulties, but we're looking all <laughs> calm here. <laughs> now would be a great time for that first question. Okay. Excellent. I'm so happy. All right. Well, let's get started. It's time for True or False on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below, and Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay. So the first question, Green Warriors, is type in your answer, true or false. The food culture in our society makes it easy peasy to stay motivated with a whole food plant-based eating. Okay, Sid, did you want to answer that question, true or false, while everybody types it in? Yeah, well, the answer to that is a big false <laughs> because the culture in our society makes it very challenging to stick with a healthy diet, even when we have the best intentions. So let's just take a quick brief look at the overall culture in our society today. So although nutritional awareness has grown over the years, I mean, we've seen that. There's more and more information now. The public has access to so much information. But the culture has evolved to include more fast food and processed food and prepackaged items than ever, too, because these foods are cheap and easy, especially for people who are too busy to cook or they just have no interest in cooking. Many offerings in the public arena are supersized, deep fried, wrapped in bacon, or topped with extra cheese, which, by the way, cheese is our highest source of saturated fat in our diet. And according to uh, Statistica.com, the average American in 2020 ate over 40 pounds of cheese per person. Right. And I'm, I'm not eating any, so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's even more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and then our grocery stores and bakeries are filled with these sugary, fat-laden products that are covered with dye-filled frostings. And food foods, even at fairs and farmer's markets, are anything but healthy. I was at a farmer's market recently in Florida, and the food trucks there are serving horrendous foods. And even some of the vendors, you know, are all frying up their sausages and all of that. So there's, you know, funnel cakes and chili cheese fries and greasy meats and deep fried candy. And then we have these cooking shows that teach us how to cook artery damaging foods that contribute to our chronic diseases. 
while the all-you-can-eat buffets are filled with similar options that tell us to dig in and keep going back for seconds. And then I'm not sure if this happens to you, but I see a lot of my friends on social media. They're posting pictures of really unhealthy recipes filled with butter and cream cheese and whipped cream and oils. And then let's not forget the drive through fast food chains that are lining every major street pretty much. So sadly, this is the overall view of the dietary culture in America today. So yeah, it's real hard to stay with a healthy diet when you're faced with this all the time. Now, there's people think they are, they are eating healthy. I call it the culture of coup fad, which is chicken, olive oil, fish, and dairy. So I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say well, that they're eating healthy because they've cut down on the red meat, but for the most part, they've cut back red meat, but now they're just eating chicken and fish. So it surprises them to learn that chicken is 50% fat and has the same amount of cholesterol as beef. And then it's really high in sodium because they soak the chicken carcasses in salt water. They're also surprised to learn that olive oil is 100% pure liquid fat, including saturated fat, and is the most calorically dense food on the planet with one tablespoon having 120 calories and 14 grams of fat. And I'm always hesitant to call oil a food because it's just the extracted fat from a food. So to me, it's not even a food. It's an isolated nutrient from a food. And it's not even a nutrient, really. <laughs> it's fat. It's 100% pure liquid fat. And they're also surprised to learn that fish is 40 to 50% fat. It's really high in cholesterol as much cholesterol as beef and sometimes even higher depending on the type of fish. And it has all the accumulated toxins, you know, that we need to be concerned about. And then of course there's the dairy products, which are also high in saturated fat, high cholesterol. And they also contain growth hormones and proteins that are linked to cancer. So this is what our society thinks are healthy foods right here, the culture of KUFAD. Right. I, have you seen that in your line of work, Amy, that people think these are health foods? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can't even I, I think about how people do chicken instead of uh, red meat is what they call it. We're really, you know, they, there's other meats that are that are red, but they just look like they're not. But and they take that and they say, oh, I just take off the skin of the chicken and, and then I don't have any fat. And if I see any white things on the on the chicken, I pull those off when I'm preparing it because they think that that is the fat, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And then, then you have health professionals even that are recommending that people substitute the fish as a, as a leaner type of uh, protein over the, the other meats. And meanwhile, that, that is so high in fat too. So yes, all, I, I love how you put all of these together. Because absolutely, I agree. Yeah. So we are definitely living in a culture that's challenging, to say the least, mm -hmm. especially with the misinformation. And then when our stress levels get high and food, are, food is always in abundance, that's another perfect storm, right? Especially around the holidays. So we have a holiday coming up, Memorial Day, and there's going to be barbecues and things. If you're going to a family event, you know, there's an opportunity where you're going to be faced with a lot of unhealthy foods there. So we have to be careful that we don't give ourselves unspoken permission 
to eat some of these bad foods, even just, you know, because they're in our path. So it's not okay really to eat unhealthy foods in moderation. Moderation, in my opinion, is a very slippery slope. And in his book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, Dr. Esselstyn has a whole chapter called Moderation Kills, in which he talks about moderation might slow down the progress of disease, but it's def definitely going to let the disease progress, right? Because we haven't really addressed the root cause of why we have that ailment. So backsliding always starts in small increments. That's why I'm not a big proponent of eating anything in moderation, any bad foods, in moderation for sure. So how do we stick with our healthy plan? What are some tips that we can learn? Well, I think the key to staying motivi motivated, again, I say this, the biggest battle lies between our ears, right? It's our thought patterns. And it's been said that being successful at this is 80% mentality and 20% skill. Mm. Sometimes I think it's even 90-10, you know, 90% yeah. mentality. So today I'm going to share some four tips to stay mentally motivated, and I hope you'll get at least one or two good takeaways here. So have you ever heard the story of the two wolves, the tale of the two wolves? It's a story that I heard many years ago, and I just have never forgotten it. And so what it is, it's a legend that illustrates the importance of our thoughts and choices. And how it goes is that a Cherokee grandfather is teaching his grandson about life. And the grandfather says, there's a fight going on inside of me every day. It's a terrible fight between two wolves. And one wolf is evil. He's anger and regret and envy and sorrow and resentment. And the other wolf is a good wolf. He, he represents joy and peace and serenity and kindness. And the same fight is going in, on inside me, says the grandfather, and inside every other person, too. And the grandson thinks for about for a minute about it. And he says, well, Grandpa, which wolf will win? And the grandfather says, the one that you feed. <laughs> so this is a great example of how mindset, you know, that's the, th the key theme of this story is our mindset. And it's a powerful illustration of the importance of our thoughts and how both wolves are going to be fed daily by our choices and our thoughts. But we want to feed the good wolf every single day. So these are some tips to feed the good wolf, because what we choose to dwell on is going to influence our behaviors and our habits and our actions. So the more we feed the good wolf, the less food supply there's going to be for the evil wolf. <laughs> and the evil wolf, by the way, he's going to try to tell you that there's no way you can stick to a healthy diet. Uh, he's your inner critic. He tries to discourage you, and he, he might bring up your past diet failures if you've had any. Or he might get to you to uh, try to get you to believe lies about yourself, or he'll try to lower your self-esteem. So we can't always ignore those negative thoughts, but we can recognize them for what they are, and we can stop giving them all of our attention, right? So when we stop fixating on those thoughts that don't serve us well, the evil wolf will lose his strength and power. Now, the good wolf, he, he, feeding him is also a very conscious decision because it doesn't just happen, right? The good wolf reminds us, oops, that we are strong people. We are intelligent, confident. You are a confident person, right? You do have the ability to continue down the right path toward your goals. 
in spite of any obstacles that might come your way. So the good wolf reminds you of your accomplishments and he shows you how far you've already come and he encourages you to, to keep on growing. And the truth is, sometimes it's easier to feed the bad wolf than the good wolf because the evil wolf offers the simple way out, right? He encourages us to just give up or put things off or stay defeated. But the good wolf, feeding him takes effort and resilience and, and courage. But remember, the more that we feed the good wolf, the stronger he grows and the more you are going to be empowered. So now on to today's tips on how to feel, how to feed the good wolf in order to stay motivated, especially when you're faced with temptations. So right now, I mean, do you have any questions about um, motivations at all? Um, I'm, I'll see in the comments if anybody has a question about motivations. Bring Warriors, you feel free to type in a question if you have it. I don't see anything right now. I do see that Thanks said, Kufad, that's great. <laughs> I think so too. I agree. That is awesome. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of people are just waiting to hear what you have to say, and maybe then we'll have some questions pop up. Oh, okay. Do you have a true false for me, buddy? Oh, I certainly do. Yes, okay. I do. Okay, let's get that up for us. Okay, Green Warriors, here's our next true or false. True or false, have, having deep motivations is crucial to your success because that's what drives you to make things happen. Green Warriors, what do you think the answer is? Type it in, true or false. Sid, tell us the answer. The answer is definitely true because the first thing we should think about are our big whys, right? Those are our motivators. The desire that you had for wanting to eat this way in the first place. So what motivated you to begin eating a plant-based diet? You know, all of us had our initial reasons. Uh, maybe it was for weight loss or a health scare or concern for the animals or the environment. And perhaps those reasons have morphed or grown, you know, to include other reasons as well. So consider your big whys and then add the words, so that. When you add the words, so that, that's a mental tip that's really going to make a difference. Because the why is the desire, but the so that is the deeper motivator, right? I, like, I'm going to give you some examples here that I've heard from my clients when I asked them about this. So the desire is I want to get rid of my joint pain so that I can comfortably travel and play with my grandkids. Okay, so that's the motivator. Not just that you want to get rid of your joint pain, but that why you want to do that. So you need to expand why you want to do things. Another client told me that I just turned 50, I'm overweight, and now I have hypertension, and I don't like where this is heading, and I need to make changes so that I can age well and avoid having a heart attack. Another person said, my gut issues prevent me from doing so many things, and I've got to reverse that so that I can stop being afraid of going anywhere and worrying if I find a bathroom, right? I mean, what a motivator that is to not want to have to find a bathroom everywhere or worry about that. Another person said, for years, I watched my dad suffer with dementia and I want to eat right so that my family doesn't go through that same heartache with me. So that's a powerful motivator there. Another person said, I'm concerned about my immune system because I'm sick a lot. And I want to strengthen that immunity so that I can better ward off colds and any viruses that are coming down the pike, right? 
with viruses, there's, <laughs> we don't know what's coming down the pike there. Mm-hmm. Now, for me personally, I have a dire family history filled with heart disease, diabetes, stroke, uh, lots of things, cancer. My goal is to stay out of the medical system so that I can continue to hike as I get older and stay independent and make my own decisions later in life, right, where I'm going to live, for example. So it has to be a big why. It can't just be that you want to lose weight for the class reunion. It has to be a big why because it's been said that having a big enough why allows us to endure any how. Right. I love that, too. The, yes, the it, I'm, I'm going to encourage everybody that's watching to in the comments, type in what motivates you to adopt or stay on a whole food plant based diet and tell us in the comments what is your why and what is your so that. Cool. Then when your motivation starts to wane because you're tired or you've had some type of setback, then you can feed the good wolf with your big whys and your so that's. Yeah, so that's tip number one. (laughs) Shall I go on? Yes. Okay, the second tip is to examine your limiting beliefs. And we all have them. And I first learned about this years ago. I was reading a book called Cruise Ship or Nursing Home. (laughs) Oh, I like that. And they talked there about limiting beliefs, which are those false assumptions that we have about ourselves or even about how the world works. And sometimes they can be those little voices that restrict the way we live and they block us from reaching our full potential. So these limiting beliefs, they start out as thoughts that we tell ourselves over and over until we finally internalize them as truths, you know, that we need to believe. So we, again, we all have limiting beliefs to some degree and the the bad wolf, he loves to add fuel to the fire with those limiting beliefs. So if you've ever sabotaged your own success in some way, chances are that perhaps you have formed one or more limiting beliefs. And let's look at some examples of limiting beliefs. Um, It's not in the cards for me to ever be thin. I've heard a lot of these. I never stick to anything. I can't afford to eat healthy. Being overweight just runs in my family. Healthy foods taste horrible. I've tried everything. Diet and lifestyle won't matter for me. It's too expensive. It's too hard. I can't give up my sweets. This is just who I am. I don't have energy or time for this. I'm too old to change. This is called the blah, blah, right? These are sounding a lot like excuses, right? Mm -hmm. Limiting beliefs often sound a little bit like excuses. So I know that we all have them to some degree. So if you see yourself in one of these or, you know, this is going to take some soul searching, but I've got actually on my website an, uh, an assignment that you can do for this. You know, there's a worksheet. If you go to sidnotter.com and just type limiting beliefs in the search bar, you'll get a little homework assignment that might help with this. But we want to stick with our plan, too. So the trick is to change those negative limiting beliefs and, dis- and replace them with more realistic statements that will uh, be positive in your brain and will lead you to take positive action. So one way to do that is to write down on a piece of paper, put a line down the middle, and in the left-hand column, write down all the limiting beliefs that you might have. And again, this is going to take some thought on your part, such as I'm too old to lose weight. I don't have time to cook, or my parents were sick and overweight, so I will be too. Then cross those out and replace them with a true yet realistic statement such as 
I'm capable of losing weight safely at any age, right? Because that is true. I can prepare simple meals and my health is worth, is worth it. And that is quite true as well. My choices determine my health outcomes because genetics only play a small role. So when we do that and we change the way we're thinking about things, then we're starting to feed the good wolf and changing our mindset about that is going to change our behavior as well. And then keep these answers somewhere where you can see them, right? And then read them out loud when those limiting beliefs pop back up in your mind. So another way, this is the third tip to stay motivated, is by being grateful, practicing gratitude. Because when we're grateful for what we're gaining, instead of focusing on what we're giving up, that is going to bring us to the topic of gratitude. Let's, so this ties in closely with limiting beliefs or engaging in negative self-talk that's going to prevent us from achieving our goals. So practicing gratitude engages the good wolf because when we reject those negative messages right away and engage the good wolf, he's going to remind us of the positive aspects of our lives, the things we can be grateful for. So write those down and journal everything that you're grateful for. I mean, think about it, your family, your warm house or your cool house if you're living in the tropics, the availability of healthy food, right? We can be grateful that we have grocery stores and marketplaces to get healthy food. The fact that we have a car and we're able to drive there, be grateful for that and that we can learn to cook differently. Um, your comfy bed, your pets, your faith, your friends, your resources. There are so many things we can be grateful for, plus any health benefits that you've already seen or any weight loss that you've already achieved. You could be grateful for that as well. So gratitude helps us to stay motivated because we, we feed the good wolf when we're grateful for what we're gaining, again, instead of focusing on what we're giving up. So one mental trick I use to reframe my mind with gratitude, like sometimes I can get in a really bad mood with routine chores, mundane chores. They bug me. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of developing a bad attitude over that, I'll say something like, I get to pull weeds and scrub my floor today. I get to do that. Or I get to run a bunch of errands today. Because when I change that narrative in my brain, and then I realized that many people would give anything to be able to go to the store or pull weeds, but, you know, they just aren't able to do it. That realigns my perspective and it makes me grateful in my heart that I can do these things that, you know, I have the resources and the ability to do what needs to be done. Now, this type of thinking, though, works when you're faced with food choices, too, right? Be grateful that you get to choose healthy foods that are going to nourish your body. Like, I get to not be a helpless victim when it comes to my health outcomes. I get to learn a new way of cooking that won't contribute to heart disease. I get to eat tacos and lasagna that will help me reverse my diabetes. I mean, think about all the things we get to do with healthy foods. I get to eat ice cream and chocolate pudding that will lessen my joint pain. So I get to stop worrying about my family history because my genes don't automatically destine me for a disease. So there's many things we can be grateful for with healthy food. And when we do that with every healthy meal, we can feed the good wolf by being grateful for the benefits that that food provides us. So that was the third tip, practicing gratitude. Now the fourth and final tip 
is one of my favorite ones. It's how to choose your internal words wisely to stick with good habits. Because words matter, and especially those internal words. That's what this whole topic is about today. Especially when we're faced with tempting off-plan foods that are going to, you know, sabotage our efforts. But we have to determine ahead of time which words or statements are going to boost our resistance, right? We can't wait until we're in the fire. We've got to plan that out ahead of time. So I call these um, equipping the toolbox between your ears, right? These are the inner statements that are going to be our tools. And I'll share what mine are in a, in a minute that really work for me. But tools that you can pull out when you need them, especially when you're tired or bored or stressed or... You might even want to write these down too and keep them handy again so they're at your immediate disposal. So here are a few word tips. One is to avoid using the words, I'll try. I'll try to avoid the Cinnabons at the mall. Or I'll try not to overdo it with the caramel frappuccinos. No, the words I'll try is already giving you a mental escape out. You might not even realize that but you need to determine ahead of time that you are going to av avoid those refined bakery cinnamon buns at the mall. And you are going to avoid those, re uh, those high sugar lattes. And again, because when we say I'll try to do that, it's providing an escape route that can really mental or we um, weaken rather our mental commitment. And so I know I say this myself, well, I'll try, you know, I'm going to try it. But I know that that is got the potential to weaken me mentally when I say that. You know, I want to say I'm going to do it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes, it, it really does. I think it wasn't there was some kind of movie where the character said there is no try. <laughs> I think it was what? like a Star, War, Star Wars movie or something where, where he said there is no try, there is do. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that one, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next one would be to... Oh, my examples. Okay, let me give you my examples. Hang on a second. I just, um, my computer's doing a word thing here. That's okay, we'll let you work with that. And I put out a few questions, a few homework assignments for you Green Warriors. And along the way, we had some people that were answering them as well. Uh, I had asked uh, the Green Warriors what was something that they were uh, grateful for. And Boomer and Beyond said, I'm grateful to those who share their journeys with us, to those like Amy and Sid, who are innate teachers. They are generous in their teachings. Oh, that's so sweet. And I know that that's Angela Fischetti, <laughs> Boomer and Beyond Wellness. <laughs> She's been on the show quite a bit. Were you able to get, get back on there, Sid? Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. go ahead. So I was going to share some words that I use that help me, you know, when I'm faced with something. Um, one statement I, I use, and this is a, a scripture verse that says, anything a person gives into controls them and soon becomes his master. So years ago, I got myself addicted to mocha lattes. <laughs> and I didn't realize it until I was writing my book and doing the chapter on food addiction. And it occurred to me, oh, my goodness, look at me. I'm planning my whole day around when I'm going to be at that drive up window at the correct time of day. So I don't have to wait. You know, I, I'm planning my errands around when I'm going to get the smoke a latte. I'm, oh, wow. And I'm like, whoa, you know, that it's controlling me. You know, I've allowed mocha lattes to become my master. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I, I made some changes right then and there, but that was the verse that really helps me. And I thought I'm definitely stronger than a mocha latte. I mean, we'd be on a trip and I on the highway and I'd have my husband drive miles down the road, you know, Hey, you know, I'm going to get, I'd like a mocha latte. Could you get, find me one? And we'd be, you know, take 30 minutes off of our trip. It was crazy. That, that'd make a good t-shirt, Sid. I'm stronger than a mocha latte. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I justified it because I was getting decaf plant milk and only half the mocha that they usually put in those drinks. Oh, but that was enough see. chocolate and sugar to get me hooked on it. Right. And that's that self-talk that you were telling about. Yeah. That's that wolf. <laughs> it sounded innocent, too, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. There's another verse, too, that I think of when I'm tempted. It it says everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. And I, I will not be enslaved by anything and allow it to control me. So if I'm looking at vegan ice cream in the store and I might say to myself, hmm, that vegan ice cream in the freezer case there, it's filled with questionable ingredients. But technically, it's permissible for me, right? It's vegan. But is it beneficial for me? Am I going to allow that ice cream to control me right now? No, I don't need that vegan junk food. I can make this ice cream so much healthier at home. So that's like the way I talk to myself now. <laughs> All right. So other things that you could tell yourself just as examples would be, I have the clarity of mind and the desire to make good food decisions, right? You could tell yourself that. I trust myself to make the right decisions at the family party. There are no food challenges today that I cannot confidently handle. And, you know, remind yourself that you are a smart, resourceful person who's capable of deciding what to eat. The trick is that you have to determine which statements are going to resonate with you. You know, I shared mine, but you're going to have to find your own that will resonate with you deeply enough to provide you the motivation you need when you're facing a food challenge. Now, this next thing, this is my all-time favorite tip, saying I don't mentally versus I can't. Because there are several articles that, about this um, study that came out in the Journal of Consumer Research several years ago, which compared the difference between using the words I don't versus I can't mentally. So the researchers instructed one group of people that when they were faced with a temptation, they would use the words I can't. For example, I can't eat ice cream. Now, the other group was told when they were faced with a temptation, I don't, like I don't eat ice cream. So the students were asked to repeat this phrase over and over. And then later, as they left the room, they were offered a choice between a chocolate candy bar or a healthy granola bar. And the students that um, told themselves, I can't, chose the candy bar 61% of the time. And the people that said, I don't, only chose the candy bar 36% of the time. So with that, the researchers wanted to do more studies. So they developed another study and they took 30 women um, and, and signed them up for a health and wellness seminar. And they asked each of these women to think of a long-term health or wellness goal that was important to them. And then the women were split into three groups of 10. So group one, they were told that when they felt tempted to lapse on their goals, they should just say no. I'll just say no to missing my workout, for example. Group two was told that when they felt tempted to lapse on their goal, they should use the words, I can't. 
I can't miss my workout today. And group three was told to use the words, I don't. I don't miss workouts. And then for the next 10 days, each woman received an email every day to report her progress. And after 10 days, these were the results. So group one, the just say no group, they uh, stuck, only three out of 10 stuck with their goals the entire 10 days. Group two, the group that said, I can't miss my workout or whatever their goal was, only one out of 10 stuck with their goals the entire 10 days. But the group that said, I don't, eight out of 10 stuck with their goals the entire 10 days. And that's because the researcher said these words that we use are creating a feedback loop in our brain that impacts our future behaviors. So saying I can't creates a feedback loop that's a reminder of our limitations, right? It indicates that we're forcing ourselves to do something that we don't want to do. Like I can't eat that glazed donut implies kind of that we could eat it or we would eat it if our circumstances were different, you know, but we can't, we're being limited. But saying I don't, that creates a feedback loop that reminds you of your control and power over the situation. Saying I don't eat glazed donuts leaves no room for debate because it's a hard and fast rule that you've already set for yourself and that can make all the difference in your habits. In other words, the phrase I can't is psychologically draining because it's a restriction that's undermining your own sense of power. But using the phrase I don't is psychologically empowering because we're saying no. We're, it's an empowering way to say no, and it's a reminder that we're in control. So every time you catch yourself thinking, I can't eat this or that, simply change the narrative to I don't eat this or that because it's always your choice, right? You get to decide what, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. <laughs> and that applies to your food choices as well. Now, this technique works really well for me personally, because just by saying I don't eat that anymore, that just strengthens the heck out of my brain. Because I'm not, I'm not bargaining. I'm not allowing myself to bargain with myself. I used to bargain with myself over Twizzlers, the red Twizzlers in the store when I first became plant-based, I knew they were vegan. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm just going to eat one Twizzler. I'm going to get that bag and eat one Twizzler. No, no, I would get home and eat five or six Twizzlers. And then the Twizzlers would call my name until I ate all the Twizzlers within a couple of days. <laughs> so when I say I don't eat Twizzlers anymore, I'm empowered. You know, there's, I'm not even going to think about buying Twizzlers. Love it. <laughs> Yeah. So um, do you have any questions for me right now? Or Okay. Well, we, we have another true or false that we can do. Okay. True or false, Green Warriors, type in your guess. One way to stay motivated is by being grateful for what we're gaining instead of focusing on what we're giving up. Hmm. Okay, Green Warriors, what do you think the answer is? Type it in the comments. And Sid, what's what's your answer? The answer to that is definitely true, right? We talked about that with tip number three. One way to stay motivated is to be grateful. So if you're paying attention, you would have gotten this one right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you want me to do the next one? Yes, please. Okay. All right, Green Warriors, here's our next question. True or false, our minds should be minimally engaged 
if we intend to stay motivated with whole food plant-based eating? Hmm, that's something to think about. All right, type in your answers. I'd like to see what they say. Okay, Sid, what's your answer? The answer to that is false. Our minds should not be minimally engaged. Our minds have to be fully engaged, right? If we're going to stay on course. And here's why our minds need to be fully engaged. Every one of those tips that we've talked about today, the big whys and the so that's, your limiting beliefs, practicing gratitude, and choosing your internal words wisely, all of those tips reflect the need for thought and awareness like continuous thought and awareness, not minimally engaged, but fully engaged brains, right? So we have to be fully engaged if we truly intend to stay on track. And especially around any holiday or party or while you're on a vacation or anything that creates the perfect storm where there's extra stress involved and we're surrounded by perhaps unhealthy foods, right? So that's when we need these tips even more, um, we need to even stay even more aware when they're, when we are in those situations. So I hope that at least one of these tips resonated with you today. If you have any more questions, um, if not, I'd like to know which four, which of the four mental tips we discussed stood out to you the most. Okay. Well, I think that we'll put that up to, um, so I think that we had, We'll put this up for everybody that's watching while they, if they have any comments or questions, but type in the answer, Green Warriors, which of the four mental tips that Sid discussed resonates with you the most? So we have A, your big whys and so that's, or B, examine your limiting beliefs, C, practice gratitude, and D, choose your internal words or you could pick E and that would be all. So Green Warriors, type in your answer because I would like to see what you resonated most with. Uh, well, Jesse T said, great mental tips, hard to choose. So she, she that might be an E. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer and Beyond Wellness said E, sorry, but E for sure. <laughs> uh, and Jesse T said E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I really enjoyed the tips because, well, they, they, they're they so relatable to so many things in our lives, right? Oh, Greta said, all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're so relatable to so many things in our lives too, right? Because we always talk on, on this show about the pillars of health and we talk about how you know, eating is very important. Your, your your diet is very important, but there's other pillars of health too, right? So there's exercise and sleep and stress management. There's a lot of different pillars that, that contribute to our good health. And I can see how we could be saying, having those voices in our head and that wolf debate in our head, negotiating, oh, I don't need to sleep. I can stay up a little longer and do this fun thing or do this work that I have to get done or whatever it is because it's so important in making all those excuses for us, you know, so, or you know, just taking out that time to meditate, you know, this, this, that wolf conflict, it just seems like it pops up in a lot of areas in our lives. Mm -hmm. It could, especially with exercise, right? When you're tempted to blow off your exercise routine. 
which I know Angela was not, would not be in favor of. Yeah, yeah. she said they're relatable <laughs> in so many areas. Yep, no, you're not going to get away with yeah. skipping that exercise routine. Angela, for those of you that have watched her, you, you know that she's been on the show quite a bit doing a few classes and she'll be doing some more pretty soon. So when I, um, when I asked everybody, well, as you were doing the, the presentation, I was asking those questions about uh, people and let's see, we had some comments. Angela Boomer and Beyond Wellness said, when I used to say the words I can't, would invite the question why, I don't put an end to the conversation. Mm, yeah, that's, that's really very interesting. I like that, how, how you put that, Angela. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and of course, she's, when I asked what you were grateful for, she said, I'm grateful for my physical strength. Yes, we're grateful for your physical strength too, <laughs> mm -hmm. Angela. Yeah. So there's a, there's a quite a bit of, uh, oh, yeah. So thanks that it's tempting to say, well, it's vegan, even though it's full of junk. Yeah, she agreed with your example there about the Twizzlers. Absolutely. Yeah, so there's just quite a bit of uh, comments going on in, in the chats there. So maybe you could help because I get a lot of people asking me about family members, you know, so, so many times family members or friends or relatives, people that we think care about us so much, sometimes they may try to sabotage our efforts whenever we try to adopt this lifestyle. So maybe you could give some tips as to what people can do to handle that type of thing. Yeah. So um, I even have a YouTube video on this called Surviving Family Pressure because I've seen people sabot be sabotaged on purpose by people in their own you know, household, mm -hmm. which is sad. But it, it always requires a frank discussion up top. At, you know, at the start, have a frank discussion with your family. Like, you know, you're not going to be required to change here. I'm doing this for me and I would really appreciate your support. You know, I, I need your help. I want your help. So you have to start with that and then go into the negotiables. Who's going to be doing the cooking and the shopping? And will they store their junk food in a place in a cabinet that, you know, not leave it lay out? Will they work with you that way? Uh, will they join in with you? and have a healthy meal once in a while. Or if you're the cook of the family, it's different, you know, than if you're not the cook of the family, you're going to have to start making your own food. If you are not the cook of the family, you're going to have to start cooking probably. But I encourage them to make the same base, make a big thing of pasta and somebody has meat sauce and somebody has marinara with asparagus steamed on top, you know, but start with the common base. But if, if it's the, that they will not support you, that is, that's a sticky issue because why are they not willing to support you? Is it that they've seen you, they think this is a fad, like you're doing another fad, you know, that you haven't been involved with fad diets before and they think this isn't going to stick either. So they're just not even going to try to support you. Why is it that they will not support you? Are they afraid they're going to have to change what they're doing? You know, that's a big one too. Or maybe they just feel guilty because now they see that you're, striving to better yourselves and they're not, you know, they're, they're going to stay stuck where they are and they're happy there and they don't want to see anybody else crawling out of the bucket. You know how they say crabs try to get out of the bucket by escaping. And as soon as they get near the top, the other crabs pull them back down. <laughs> yeah. 
where they could build a ladder and all go out. Right, they could all help each other, right, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it takes some deep, every family's different, but I know mm. it can be done. I, I've seen usually what between spouses, if there's two people in the house married and one's eating this way and one's not, they have figured it out how to make it work. And it hasn't been easy in a lot of cases. Uh, one person might have to cook just for them and the other person cooks for themselves, you know, but that all has to be worked out. But yeah. it can be done. And remember, it'd be lovely to have your family support to eat this way, but you don't have to have their support in order to eat this way. You know, you're in charge of what goes into your mouth. You're in charge of that. So while they're making it difficult for you, that could be a challenge. You know, if they're leaving their M&Ms and candy bars out on the counter all the time or big bowls of candy and junk food that are tempting you, then that's going to have to have a frank discussion if they'll be willing to hide that or put it, you know, in their own room or whatever, just to help you. And if they won't help you, then that, that's a whole nother issue <laughs> that might need counseling, you know, figure out why they won't help you, why, why they're so anti you getting better. Yeah. Sometimes they might even think plant-based eating is not healthy. I just had one client call me and say, I've been plant-based for two, two or three months. And when I ate junk food, nobody cared. But now that I'm eating plant-based, everybody's concerned about my health, you know, because they don't think she's eating healthy anymore because she's just eating plants. <laughs> so there's a lot of misconceptions that could be in there too. What do you think, Amy? Have you seen this a lot in your life? I have. And, and one of the things that I've seen where it took a lot of digging to find this out, and it, it seems like sometimes the spouse or not everybody's married these days, so whoever the significant other is or whatever, sometimes, especially if weight loss is involved, it seems like sometimes they feel threatened and worried that if their partner becomes healthy, and loses the weight that maybe they'll leave, you know, and 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 they th and that they they sabotage, not meaning to to do it, and not realizing that they're just that they're so in love with this person that they don't want to lose them, and they're so afraid that that person, if they had a new appearance, wouldn't wouldn't want to be there anymore. And so I've seen that happen, and that's really that that's hard to 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 dig into and see. But I I think that that is another thing, and so people can just kind of think think about the things that we're talking about and see where where they're at. And then I think about people who, you know, if they have a, a horrible food allergy, you know, some people have these nut allergies, for example, that even if they're in the same room with something, that they could really be in trouble and have to go to the ER. And so sometimes we have to maybe think of it in that way, that these these foods are dangerous to us and to our loved ones. And if we can't change what they're doing, we have to start with ourselves. And if we can kind of try to think of it in that way that, you know, what if I was, you know, definitely allergic to this? Would Would I make the exceptions? Would I would I cave in and, and do this? Or would I say, no, I'm putting my foot down. This is something that, that is for my health. So sometimes it just, I think everybody's different and different things work for different people. And they have to kind of try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, if somebody was 
was just getting started with the lifestyle, Sid. Okay. And it's, it's, it's overwhelming, right? They're thinking about what should I do? You know, where do I start? And, and, and I love that slide that, that you pulled up with the, those different foods that were so um, high in fat and cholesterol. So what, what do you think that they should do when they first begin? What would you say that their first thing that they should think about would be? Two things come to mind. Number one is you've got to be prepared with what you're going to do. You can't go into this and think, well, today I'm going to eat a salad and then not think about the week ahead. You've got to have healthy food on hand. So whatever that takes to make your batch cooking or you've got to have healthy food on hand for when you get stressed out or you get confused, have burgers, plant-based burgers or something in the freezer or pre-made is a big key factor. But the other thing is to not think you have to find hundreds of recipes all at once. You don't, you know, find six or eight recipes that you like, maybe a soup or a burger or uh, some type of casserole and stick with those and add in a recipe every week to build up your recipe repertoire. Right. But um, it can be as simple as oatmeal for breakfast, minestrone soup for lunch and um, lasagna for dinner, you know, or bean burritos. So don't overcomplicate it. I think that's what happens a lot of times is people overcomplicate it. There are many websites out there with easy, easy recipes. Shane and Simple is one. You know, I, I recommend his for a lot for easy recipes. <clears throat> and again, just find six or eight to get going. but. A plan ahead is key because um, there's going to come times when you get home from work or whatever and there's nothing prepared and you're just going to be tempted to go grab something at the drive-in rather than, oh, I've got frozen rice here and frozen veggies. I can make a stir fry real fast. So you, there's simple things you can do, but have food on hand and don't be overwhelmed that you need to find a bunch of recipes at once. That would be my advice. <laughs> it's so funny that you just said that because we had a question from Jennifer that said, I get hungry when traveling and wind up going to a fast food place when I can't find food. What can I do to change this habit? Isn't that <laughs> you got to bring your cooler. With you know, you got to be prepared. Bring your food in a cooler. That's what we have to do when we travel. Right, exactly. You know, I find that there are some foods that that travel well, and they don't necessarily have to be kept cold. So we, so even if you're going on an airplane, and you might be restricted for things, um, even if you're traveling internationally, I I find that uh, baked sweet potato in a in a Ziploc bag, either you can do a silicone one or whatever, and they they don't have to be kept in a refrigerator for you know if it's for a day or whatever. And you can get them on an airplane and even internationally because they're cooked. So there shouldn't be a restriction on that. And you can just eat it like, like it's a piece of fruit and, and it'll stay, keep you very, very full. And I, I feel that who, whenever anybody is leaving the house, they, they should have a bunch of those in the refrigerator all ready to go in the bags. And then they should always at least grab one or two whenever they leave. Because sometimes you think, I'm just going to go and do this small errand. And then suddenly there's a traffic jam or you get sidetracked and you do other things. And I also think sometimes our primitive brain kind of sets us up to do things 
you know, where we, where we say to ourselves, I'm just going out for a, a 20 minutes. I'll be back. I don't need to bring anything with me. But maybe in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I might wind up going someplace else and someplace else, and then I won't have anything, and then I can indulge in things that aren't good for me, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think that is a really good rule to have. Don't leave home without it, right? Exactly. <laughs> great, great tip there. <laughs> Yeah, I like to batch cook once a week for the whole week. And so my little personal plan is I'll pick one Italian dish, one Mexican dish, one Chinese or, you know, or Asian dish. So and because my husband, he has he does not like to eat the same thing over and over. So I have to have a lot of different things prepared at all times. (laughs) So I'll make like five or six dinners all at one time for the week ahead. Yep, that's that's very true. And it, it, and it can be fun. Yeah, it can be a there's times when I don't feel like doing it, you know, it's a four hour gig. At least mm-hmm. it's four hours, but to be done for the whole week, that's worth it for me. Now that might not be what everybody prefers. Some people like to cook every day. I sure don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't either. I like to batch cook as well. And it's so I'm I'm in in our kitchen, I'm in charge of the big salad because we eat a big salad every day. So I'll make, I make them up into individual bowls. They're very large though. And I'll have enough for the two of us to have for five days. And it, and it keeps very well because I have these lock and lock glass containers. And I, you know, I'll spend some time, you know, once a week or twice a week making these up. And it's so nice because you know, you go out and you do something and sometimes, like I said, maybe you're delayed and then all of a sudden you get home and you say, I'm just so hungry. And there it is. It's like somebody already did it for you and, mm-hmm. and you don't have to think. Because I think when you're hungry, thinking is not not accessible. <laughs> you just start, the primitive brain takes over and it's like, just get something, anything, <laughs> you know. And so having yeah. having that prepared ahead of time, I can just take those out and, you know, if, if, and the salads are so large and they have so many, you know, cooked beans and cooked mushrooms, they have a lot of different things in them. So they're a meal in itself. So I always know that I have a big salad. If I don't have anything else, I have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say is a, a dish that somebody could, could have as a, as a, something that they could travel with. We talked about the baked sweet potatoes or something that you like to take with you when you're running an errand or traveling. Yeah. Well, if I'm just running errands, I usually have muffins on hand, either um, pumpkin muffins or, you know, some type of oat brand muffin that I've made. I'll grab a muffin or two, take those with me and some fruit, you know, grapes or a banana or something. If we're traveling by plane, I usually make chickpea salad sandwiches for the plane. Uh, I like that recipe a lot. It does not have to stay refrigerated. Right. And um, Trader Joe's sells these little tamari crackers, and those are a treat, you know, but with that sandwich, they go really well. So um, I'll have that. Uh, we just went to Selma, Alabama for a week for my husband's job, and we took two coolers. I had enough food in there for his lunches, you know, for six days. And it was mostly um, things that we typically make and we just put it on ice, you know, and brought it with us. Yeah, that's true. Travel foods. I've got it in my book. There's a whole section called travel foods. 
Yes, you do. That's right. I was going to bring that up because it's a, it's a wonderful book and you have so many tools for people who are trying to stay on track here, including your wonderful recipes. So, well, I really want to thank you, Sid, for giving us those awesome tips to staying motivated on a whole food plant-based diet. Everybody, please click like to show your appreciation for what Sid shared with us today. And I want to give Sid an opportunity now to tell us more about what you do and where we can find you. Sure. Well, my website is sidnotter.com, just like my name is spelled there, C-Y-D-N-O-T-T-E-R.com. On there, I have a free webinar that you can watch called Three Food Mistakes That Lead to Painful Joints, Extra Weight, and Health Problems the Doctors Aren't Solving. So that's a free webinar. There's also a free 21-day meal plan there and free 10 dessert smoothies. If, if you're interested in that, there's um, a free PDF there. I do offer coaching for people that need help, I have a six-week transition program, you know, to which I can either come alongside you or you can take the course on your own. That's an option. And um, let's see, once a month, I host an inflammation support group on PBNSG. That's the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group. And I also have an inflammation class on my website, too, which I used to teach at the college quite a bit. So um, if, if you have some inflammatory issues, that might be something you'd like to look at as well. But connect with me. Yeah, we have a private Facebook group, too. And I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn as well and YouTube. <laughs> yes, YouTube. Yeah. So, so many places that we have to keep up with. I know. Too <laughs> many. Actually. Oh, hopefully they won't add any more. <laughs> well, Green Warriors... Tell us what is your what's your takeaway from today? Some of you had typed it in already. I love the analogy of the wolf and how it, it really applies to so many areas of our lives. So type in what you think that your takeaway is. I also wanted to thank just Tess Voice. She did the promos and she did the countdown. And she helps in so many ways to promote this so that all of you can be here with us and know about it. And just test boys, tell us who's coming up next. Did you know that what you eat and how you exercise can determine how well you age? Learn how food and movement impact aging with physical therapist and nutrition educator Eileen Kopsiptis on Wednesday, April 19th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Be Green with Amy Live. And Green Warriors, as a special thank you to all of you, I invite you to go to begreenwithamy.com slash join. And if you do that, I will send you five free recipes to help you with your plant-based journey. So you've got lots of tools. You have things that Sid offered today and talked about today. So there's no way that you can not take advantage of some of those things and have lots of help to go along the way. I invite all of you to go ahead and take your right hand and grab your left shoulder and take your left hand and grab your right shoulder. Now squeeze because that's a hug from me to you and from me to you, Sid, because you are just so awesome. And I really am so glad that you were here today. <laughs> and Green Warriors, if you want to join me with Sid, as I say my tagline, you can type it in the comments. Are you ready, Sid? Ready. All right. Well, until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. green. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sid. Thanks, Green Warriors. Bye-bye, everyone.
Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and